This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time it is and wherever you're listening from, thank you for being here. I truly appreciate your time and attention in listening to this episode or any other for that matter. And today is a very special episode because this is my hundredth episode and that's not including the trailer. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey with me. If you've been listening for a while and if you're new to the podcast, I hope you stick around. I just had in the last week, I think, seven or eight applications beyond March 2023. I could go into June, (laughs) y'all. I mean, this has been the most fun experience. I'm so glad I started this podcast. I've connected with so many people, amazing people, with sometimes heart-wrenching stories, oftentimes heart-wrenching stories, but also stories of underdogs who have somehow picked themselves up and made a choice and a decision to forge ahead onward and upward. I've always loved underdog stories. Um, I'm, you know, Steve Hartman. <laughs> if you ever listen and listen to this, you've caused me so many tears over the years. His stories just seem to like pull at my heartstrings. And so do the stories of my guests. And so 100 episodes, thank you. Thank you to the guests. Thank you to you listeners. And I am more driven to continue with this podcast than I've ever been. If I could do two episodes a week, which I know I easily would have the content to do so and the guests to do so, I would, but at this time in my life, that's not an option for me. Perhaps someday it would be, or perhaps if I monetize or get this podcast monetized, um, that may be an option. But for now, that is not the case. So anyway... 100 episodes. Thank you for being here. It's been a journey. And if you're a podcaster out there listening to this, you know how difficult and how challenging it can be to get to 100 episodes. It takes conviction. It takes consistency. And for most of us who are doing this out of a labor of love, it really just takes devotion and love. And every week I pour my love into this I call it a project. It really is a project of my life. And 
I'm very much enjoying this. It it really, I do truly enjoy this podcast. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. 100 episodes in, right? This is an extra special episode because it is also my son's 17th birthday. His name is Xavier. And my only son, I do have two daughters as well, younger than him, but he is my only son. And it's a very special birthday because there's an episode a while back, and I can put it in the show notes, where I shared how things were pretty scary there for a while for us and our son because he had had an accident weightlifting and we are just so very grateful and thankful and blessed at the things that happened happened the way they did and he's still here with us and we can celebrate his birthday and really truly celebrate his life and just even picking out his card in in the aisle of the card aisle I was moved to tears because knowing that there was that possibility that we may not have been celebrating his birthday. And so if you are a parent, squeeze those little ones or the big ones. Like my husband tells our kids, even when you're 50 years old, you sh- I still want a hug from you. <laughs> so you're just never too old for hugs. That's how my, what my husband says. But I digress. This is a celebratory episode And I think a perfect theme as well is that, and I didn't plan this, and so this is why it's a little different too this week, is there was actually two episodes back-to-back with guests, which is what I used to do. And then I just felt like each episode needed its own takeaways and reflections because there's often very different topics and things that are shared and talked about that I'd like to dive deeper into and I was just finding it was really difficult to do that between two episodes and into one. So I switched up the format, and now I do a guest episode followed by takeaways. But if I'd have done that, then this takeaways episode wouldn't have been the hundred and the hundredth, and I wanted it to be the hundredth episode. So I did switch it up this time because it's my podcast, and I can do that. <laughs> but I didn't plan this, and. What I didn't plan was that both Amy Medcalf from episode 98, Don't Abandon Me, shared the same sentiments as Wayne Forrest from episode 99 in that what their grief taught them. And both of them said, my grief taught me to love myself. Now, I can probably say the same thing, to be honest, because I first really worked through my grief within the last three years. It's still very fresh in my memory how I was feeling before I addressed my grief. And I am daily reminded of how different I feel today than I did more than three years ago. I really do think that when we're deep in grief and fearing, feeling sorrowful and incomplete emotionally with relationships in our lives, whether the person is dead or alive, there isn't room for love for ourselves. 
There isn't room for that love. And for many children growing up in homes of chaos and and grief and trauma and just a lot of disruption and negativity and lack and victim mindset and all of those things, there isn't room for self-love in those environments either. And so what I'm really finding is that most people, and I can I could probably dig up a lot of the notes that I've taken for the guests over the past, over, well, June will be, oh my gosh, yeah, next month will be two years I've been doing this podcast. And I can guarantee you most people had shared that loving themselves was a challenge. They just didn't know how. But when you neglect yourself and you're just kind of living, not really thriving, and you one day realize that that's not what you want for the rest of your life, it really does take radical self-love to climb yourself out of that pit. And thinking about self-love and what I wanted to share in this episode today, it's it goes deeper than just taking bubble baths or a walk in nature or even just a taking time for yourself. It's more than that. It's so much deeper than that. And, you know, when you're in a place of self-loathing, self-love can be really challenging. It can, it can be overwhelming. Just even the thought of what that even looks like. And when you feel like you're just, your life is kind of going off the rails, where do you even begin? And so I really wanted to provide some tangible things that you can do and look at in your life when it comes to self-love. And these are things that I found myself doing over time and not all at once. And so when I was thinking about what I wanted to share about self-love, what came to mind was the eight dimensions of wellness, essentially called the, the wheel of life, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA for short, have a wellness initiative that pledges to promote wellness for those with behavioral health conditions by motivating individuals, organizations, and communities to take action and work toward improved quality of life, heart health, and increased years of life. Now, when I when I read that promoting wellness for those with behavioral health conditions. I mean, that embodies a whole lot of things, but I would say that grief really falls into that because grief impacts our behaviors, grief impacts our health, and it actually impacts all of these eight dimensions of wellness that SAMHSA talks about. And so I really want to dive into each of these one by one because I think they're important. And I I truly believe that this information is a good starting point for someone who doesn't know where to start. And so when we focus on these certain areas and then focus even further on each of those, something that we can do today, what we feel is aligned with who we are in each of these different dimensions, we can start to see progress and we can start to climb out of that pit. Let's dive in. And the first one I'm going to tackle is, well, actually, I'm going to list them all first. So the eight dimensions of emotional wellness are emotional, spiritual, intellectual, physical, occupational, financial, 
environmental, and social. So with emotional, it's the ability to cope effectively with life and creating satisfying relationships. Spiritual is expanding our sense of purpose and meaning in life. Intellectual is recognizing, creating abilities, and finding ways to expand knowledge and skills. Physical is recognizing the need for physical activity, diet, sleep, and nutrition. Occupational is personal satisfaction and enrichment derived from one's work. Financial is satisfaction with current and future financial situations. Environmental is good health by occupying pleasant, stimulating environments that support well-being. And social, developing a sense of connection, belonging, and a well-developed support system. So with emotional wellness, it involves being able to cope effectively with the difficulties of life, grief included, and being emotionally aware and having healthy relationships with yourself and others. And people with healthy emotional wellness are confident, have control over their feelings and behavior, and have good coping mechanisms for dealing with difficult situations, such as grief. And also building resiliency allows us to overcome the hurdles in life. Again, grief included. And so emotional wellness includes having healthy relationships, being able to ask for help, being resilient, which is a word that kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit because we don't choose resiliency. I think resiliency is something we become. Being aware of your feelings, expressing your feelings to people you trust, seeking support with upsetting emotions, learning your strengths, working on things you want to improve, the ability to express a wide range of emotions such as happiness, sadness, anger, joy, fear, frustration, gratitude, and developing assertiveness, and having a positive self-image. Now, I will say that the grief recovery method, for me personally, addressed all of these. Every single one of these things that I mentioned helped me to understand myself better and ultimately really gain emotional control over the emotional disturbances in my life. I became more emotionally, uh, what's the word, aware, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Yes, I just feel like my personal experience, I just didn't understand the highs and the lows. And I think sometimes too, we can mistaken these highs and these lows, especially the lows for depression, when really, it's grief. It's grief that's been unaddressed. And it's cumulative. And it's years and years of grief that's just been swept under the rug. And so I think for a lot of people that can appear like depression, and we can have bouts of depression, I'm not dismissing that. And there's also clinical depression, too. However, I think that if we nip it in the bud, if we can catch those symptoms early, the earlier the better, of course. But I will say that it's never too late either. Next is spiritual wellness. And it's about having a sense of purpose and meaning in life that revolves around your personal beliefs and values. Spiritual health can involve a connection with nature, self-reflection, meditation, prayer. Being spiritual healthy means you have strong values, a feeling of inner peace, and meaning in life. Spiritual wellness includes making time for activities that enhance your sense of connection to yourself and to nature and to others. And one thing I'll say about making time for activities that enhance your connection to yourself. In grief, we are often so disconnected. We become disconnected from ourselves. And 
we also become disconnected from others because of that disconnection from ourselves. And so spirituality can really be a gateway into moving through your grief. And that was actually my personal experience. Having a relationship, a healthy relationship with nature, discovering your values, principles and beliefs, I mentioned that, being part of a like-minded community, helping those who are in need, accepting others for who they are, having a greater purpose, exploring your personal values, searching for meaning for your life, being aware of how your values may differ from others, religious or otherwise spiritual activities and practices, taking time for yourself and embracing silence and solitude. And it's really difficult in grief to embrace the silence and the solitude sometimes because often when we are alone with our thoughts and our feelings, it can be very overwhelming and very uncomfortable. And so that's why we often, while deep in grief or any other strong emotion that is deemed as negative, and I'll put that in air quotes because even anger is a valid emotion, we try to, you know, numb out or dismiss or kind of forget that we're having those feelings. And so we distract ourselves. Next is intellectual wellness, which is about exercising the mind, learning new things and expanding upon one's knowledge and skills. Being intellectually healthy can help you with mental growth, which helps with your concentration, memory and critical thinking skills. And anyone who is grieving can tell you those things pretty much go out the window. So this is not something that you're going to tackle even I mean, everyone's timeline is different, right? But this is not something that you'll likely tackle in the first few years even of after a loss, a devastating loss or a grief experience. I think this is something that naturally will develop over time. And likely when you first start to, honestly, I think there's sometimes people, a lot of grievers say it's like you wake up one day and you just feel like the sun has come out. And you might have some of those here and there. But when you can wake up and you feel like the sun is truly out, you've you've kind of gotten to the lighter, the lighter side where things don't feel as heavy, where you can talk about what happened or about the person or the loss and it's not debilitating you. It doesn't take you back to the pain of the experience or the pain of the relationship. And that really is the difference that you know when you're starting to heal is you can talk about it not like it's a recipe card. You know, that's that's really a dismissive that's a i get a sense of dismissing when i hear people talk about things like it's a recipe it really is you know sharing the story but connecting with the feeling of it you know yeah i felt like that at that time but you know what i'm feeling really good i feel healthy in all kinds of ways you know if you're articulating it differently than what you, than how you used to then you know you're making real progress in in that intellectual wellness area. And so intellectual wellness includes using your creative abilities, exercising critical thinking skills, being a lifetime learner, engaging in books, articles, or other content that interest you, uh, exploring public or community events, focusing on your skills and learning new ones, being able to develop, analyze, problem solve, and more, and challenge yourself mentally with games, puzzles, or even learning a new instrument can be one of those. And also having a positive self-image, which often in grief goes out the window. You feel like a hot mess. You probably look like one too. And your confidence is just kind of down the toilet. Again, I just, I mentioned that because grief just takes 
over every aspect of our lives, including our self-image. Next, we'll talk about physical wellness, which involves eating a healthy diet, getting enough sleep, doing your regular physical activity, preventing and managing illness and health conditions. Not being physically healthy can lead to numerous health problems and diseases. We all know this. And developing a healthy lifestyle, making healthy choices will improve your overall wellness. Obviously, healthy behaviors that we all know are getting regular exercise, feeling comfortable with your body, seeing your doctor regularly, keeping your blood pressure at the optimal level, eating healthy food, being aware of how sleep and stress affect you, that's including grief, making your own choice about your physical health, stress reduction, developing healthy habits, seeking medical care when appropriate, being responsible with alcohol, cigarettes, and other substances, taking any medications prescribed by your doctor, and understanding how your body works. And again, like in grief, you probably will need a lot more sleep than you used to because grief is exhausting. It's taxing on the body, both mind, spirit, like all of these areas, it's taxing on the body. So it's giving yourself that grace, which is self-love too, to, you know, accept where you are that day. And it is often day by day. One day you might feel like going to a yoga class and then the next you might feel like just taking a nap. Both are okay, like that you don't need anyone's permission to take a nap. I personally don't nap. I never have. But I have noticed because I, you know, when I'm paying attention to my body now, when I'm pushing, 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 and I, you know, I can forget when enough is enough, I can, I have actually taken a nap in the past three months. There was one day where I just, I succumbed to the nap, (laughs) which I never do. But when you become more in tune with your body and how your body operates and what it needs, honor that. Listen to that intuition and give that to your body. That is self-love. And, you know, often with caregivers and caretakers, this is a really difficult hurdle because where is the time? Where do you take the time for you? And then when you do get that time, which is maybe not a lot, how do you want to spend it? Do you want to spend it exercising? Most people may not, but you can actually combine several of these things. If you go walk by the river, you're out in nature, you're, that's feeding your spiritual body. If you're listening to a podcast that inspires and uplifts you or teaches you something new, that's working your intellectual health and you're working your physical health by, by walking. So you can actually tackle many of these areas at one time, just by thinking a little bit creatively about what will serve you the most if you do have just a little bit of time. Next is environmental wellness, which refers to being in a nurturing and healthy environment, as well as having awareness and respect for the environment around us. The environment around you can greatly impact how you feel. I always, I say quite often, actually, that we are products of our environment as children. And it really truly is important as adults to recognize how those environments have impacted us, have formed the beliefs that we have. And by challenging those beliefs, you find your truth. By creating an environment as an adult that is one of support, that feels good to be in, is going to serve you greatly when the challenges do come and when grief does enter your the room because it will 
it just, it will, it's inevitable. And so the environment around you can greatly impact how you feel. Uh, For example, people who live in countries that have a lot of rain and cloudy days uh, might suffer from seasonal depression, which affect their emotional health and social health, spiritual health, possibly even more. I live in North Dakota, which is what we have, like, it starts snowing in October, November. Often we've had snow for Halloween, so, and it's usually pretty cold, but the clouds start to settle in November for sure, usually, and it doesn't end until probably April. So almost half the year, we are in bitter cold temps, cloudy days, and stuck indoors. I mean, you're not stuck indoors. I mean, you can go outside. And we do have some sunny days in the winter, but it's not uncommon for people in this area to um, have vitamin D deficiency. You know, people in the Northern Hemisphere often have vitamin D deficiency. And what I've learned is that vitamin D deficiency is actually linked to pancreatic cancer. And um, people of European descent do have higher rates of pancreatic cancer. And they have found that it's linked to vitamin D deficiency. So it's very important to think about your environment and where you live and how it is impacting your health and well-being. I personally cannot wait until I am a snowbird when my kids are all gone and we can go south somewhere warmer for the winter. That is that is definitely my a goal in my life. So environmental wellness includes making sure your home is decluttered, spending time outside. Maybe if it's, it includes using eco-friendly products or recycling if that's in your area, having a peaceful home environment, involvement in the community, being aware of how you might contribute to pollution. For some people, that's a huge factor or a deep concern for them. Environmental awareness and being aware of climate change and how human beings impact the environment. Like all of this stuff is, you know, some things are more important to others and that's okay. I love the environment. Am I great at treating her the best always? No, I am not. Does it pain me to throw away plastic? Yes. Like, you know, milk jugs, we go through a lot of milk. I mean, that pains me. We don't have recycling here. And the nearest recycling is an hour and a half away. So that bothers me. It always has. You know, the, we used to, as kids, we used to have um, a coloring contest, reu- something reuse, recycle. I, I can't remember how it, go, how it went. But anyway, you know, that helped bring an awareness of the environment to my consciousness, even as a child. It is in the back of my mind. Financial wellness. Financial wellness refers to being financially literate, in charge of your finances, and responsible with your money. Struggling with finances and having an unsettled financial situation is a problem that can cause a lot of stress to you and the family. Grief. I mean, how often do losses occur and the person didn't have the financial means to even pay for their own funeral or didn't have life insurance. These are things that impacts everybody because if you don't have that nest egg or that life insurance to cover your expenses, someone's paying for that, really. I mean, and grief impacts our financial situation anyway because if you're a caregiver, you've got medical bills, terminal illness, like all of that is a huge stressor for people sometimes because grief impacts our productivity and our work. You know, many places only offer like say a week of 
vacation time that you can take when someone dies. Let's say it was your spouse and your spouse was the breadwinner, but you did work. And so you have to, you're almost expected to return back to work and be as productive as you were before the loss occurred. And that's just not realistic. And so I think companies need to be more supportive and aware of grief and loss and the impact that it has on their employees and on the company as a whole. Because globally, grief impacts our economy into the billions of dollars. And so this is an important issue, not just for the individual and their family, but also the community and in where they where they work and the business that they are in and the business itself and the businesses that those businesses are in business with. This trickles down. So maintaining a budget and monitoring your spending, seeking out professional financial help if needed, exploring ways to save money, being financially responsible, paying bills on time, reviewing credit reports and bank statements, being financially financially literate, as, as I mentioned. You know, these are things that probably won't be happening right out of the gate, especially when a loss occurs, but you can prepare for challenges in life by be, by doing these things today. I use Credit Karma. It's free. It's an app that helps you keep track of your credit score. It alerts you to things that might not be of your doing. You can kind of pinpoint, well, you know, if a credit card was opened and I di- and I know I didn't open it, I can see that, you know, if my credit card credit score dips suddenly, that's something to look into. And so it's an easy way to track your financial health, like your credit health. Uh, so that's one thing I use. Auto deduction for savings. You can set up an auto deduct to put a certain amount, even if it's just 25 bucks a pay period to put into a little nest egg. There's all sorts of tips. I mean, you can probably Google financial tips and you'll find dozens and dozens of them, but it can be really difficult in grief to get a handle on this area of your life, but it's really important because it does add stress. So occupational wellness involves having a fulfilling and enriching occupation, whether that be professional work or academic. And um, a common cause for stress for many Americans and grief is that their jobs and the demands that that come with it, or that they're in the wrong occupation altogether. Having a work-life balance is extremely important to overall health and wellness. So achieving this by having a job that you enjoy and are passionate about is very important. And it's also important to have a positive work environment and be surrounded by people who support you and your goals. So taking personal satisfaction in your occupation, work-life balance, learning to communicate effectively with other people, developing good work habits, Uh, exploring career opportunities or volunteer opportunities that you're passionate about, setting career goals, learning mistakes and moving forward, challenging societal expectations and fighting against barriers, especially, for example, barriers for women in the workplace. That can be a huge area of grief for a lot of women. I've recently had a couple conversations with women whose podcast episodes won't be airing for a while, but this was a topic of discussion, and especially if you're a woman of color, uh, which one of my guests was. And so it's another facet of grief that is often not talked about, but can have a huge impact on our lives. And when we've gone through a devastating loss or a grief experience, we often are faced with our own mortality. And so we ask ourselves those questions like, what do I want to be doing with my life? How do I want to spend the rest of my days on this earth. And so often we 
start questioning what we are doing with our lives. It is self-love to pursue what that can look like for you, to pursue what alignment looks like for you. I could do a whole episode just on alignment. I feel so aligned sitting here recording this podcast right now. It feels good. It feels like it's serving my soul and my spirit. It's fulfilling to me. I feel like I'm giving something that can help people and can have an impact and a positive impact. And I know that oftentimes my episodes probably shake something up within the listener. And that's good too, because it opens you up to asking those deeper, bigger questions. And it's in asking the questions that we discover deeper answers. And once you have an answer to something, once you know something, you can't unknow it. And when that's about yourself, the only thing left to do is to take action. Another aspect of wellness is social wellness, and that involves having a strong support network, feeling connected to other people, and having a sense of belonging. Feeling isolated, lonely, or disconnected from others can lead to negative physical and mental health outcomes. This is where grief can be very isolating, and we don't heal on an island. Uh, You know, a lot of these that I've talked about already involve other people. We can't do grief alone. You can, but you're not going to be very successful at overcoming the challenges that come with it. It's going to be harder, longer, more challenging road and path for you. And so by addressing and looking at these various areas of wellness, little by little, you can impact your own life and make these little changes. Healthy relationships we make with family and friends are essential to our well-being. And so some of these things that you can do might include taking part in a club or a social group or volunteer group. Focus on maintaining social connections by keeping in touch and staying connected with others. Being able to interact with a diverse group of people. Being aware of your impact in your community. Understanding sex and gender roles and stereotypes surrounding them. Being able to draw boundaries with yourself and others. Having a strong support network of family, friends, coworkers, and peers. Developing positive relationships. Having good communication skills and being able to reach out to others for support and ask for help when needed. And often in grief, when you're looking for that person to be your person, your heart with ears, it can be really difficult to have that be family or even sometimes close friends. It depends on the relationship, of course, but one of the things we talk about in grief recovery is typically that person that can be your heart with ears is someone that doesn't have any skin in your game, someone that's not going to be impacted by what you have to share. Because if you can't share openly with that person, then they might not be the best person to share your grief with. And so that's, you know, if you can't be open and honest about what you're feeling and experiencing completely, even if that does involve that person, that, that you know, that's where it might be helpful to have almost like an outsider. And that is where therapy or seeking support in a different fashion is beneficial for people because, you know, those people don't know you from Adam and have no skin in your game. They've got nothing to lose. And that's what they're trained to do is to be a heart with ears like myself. Those are the eight dimensions of wellness, also known as the wheel of life. And I think when you don't know what to do and you don't know where to start, this gives you exactly what to look at in your life, the areas of life 
that may be causing some more additional grief for you and seeing how you can turn that around. Seeing where you can focus even just a little bit on each of those areas and start seeing that the change that you want to see in happening in your life. I'm actually going to probably do a blog post on this to go more in depth and share all of this in a written format because I think it's really important that we think about self-love and not just the things that are often mentioned, you know, like the bubble bath and, you know, self-care type of things. This is like self-love to me really is about embodying the best aspects of yourself and outwardly expressing that, but also nurturing that from the inside out. And so it really is an inside job. Self-love is an inside job. And I had a lot of issues with self-loathing. I am my own worst critic. This did not come naturally to me. There's still areas that I have challenges with in these different dimensions of wellness, but that's life. That is life. And everything that comes up that rubs us the wrong way or that bumps up against our energy is just an indicator of something that, hmm, I should be curious about that. Why is that why is that, you know, upsetting me? Or why is that causing this reaction within me? So it's really just taking a step back. And the more you do this stuff, the more that you work on these areas, the more you're able to do that to take a pause, to step back, be an observer, and less less reactionary and more deliberate and intentional with a response. And this happens over time. It's not an overnight thing. But you can get there. Every ounce of me believes that you can get there. You just have to decide. Just take a look. Just be an excavator of your own life experience and start digging. Stay curious and be your your own best advocate. And boundaries has a lot to do with that. And like I said, I learned a lot about boundaries going through my own experience with grief and addressing it, learning where I didn't have them. I wouldn't have known a boundary if it slapped me in the face. We learn these things as we start digging, but you won't unless you start digging. So when it comes to grief, make self-love your priority and look at these various areas and see where you can make the changes that can propel you into your best higher self, into the version 2.0 of you that is standing triumphant in spite of the grief and the loss, and the trauma, or whatever it is that you've experienced, where you can be your own hero. I hope this was helpful. I wish you all of the best in the week ahead, and I thank you so much for listening. If the, if you did find this helpful, please share it with someone, and leave a review if you care to, maybe even a couple lines. I, would lo- I read every single one. It makes me feel like this is really having an impact when I hear from the listeners. And if you're interested in diving into these areas through grief recovery and my program, it's Do Grief Differently, where we look at your values. And that's a lot of having to do with boundaries as we identify your values. And we do that in the work that I do with clients. And so if you're interested in that, head to my website, theunleashedheart.com. And, and remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.